Here's something I'd really like now that Mario Cristobal is here. Can we get the Miami Hurricanes starting to strike fear again in the hearts of opponents and opposing fans? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Alex Dono, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So this has everybody talking and not just Miami fans, but the fans of 14 other programs as well. Uh, really good college football analyst and recruiting analyst, Mike Farrell from MikeFarrellSports.com, put out this tweet over the weekend that says, 15 teams that aren't scary anymore. <laughs> he ordered them 1-15. to 15. Number one, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, number two, the Texas Longhorns. Number three, the Florida State Seminoles. I don't know if our boy Mike Norvell is making them scary anytime again soon. Number four, West Virginia. Number five, USC. Number six, Tennessee. Number seven, our own Miami Hurricanes. Number eight, Penn State. Then you have Washington, Auburn, Florida, he puts on the list. Stanford, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Yeah, it's been a long time since Syracuse has scared anybody in football. And Louisville at number 15. So, you know, it's it's interesting that Miami gets on that list because honestly, guys, you know how bullish I am on Miami's vision, the investments that the Hurricanes program is making again in football and again in athletics, bringing in Mario Cristobal, bringing in the star-studded coaching staff that he's assembling, the facilities upgrades to putting $100 million into it. Out of that list, out of those 15 teams, I think the two that are going to rise and ascend most quickly are our own Miami Hurricanes and the USC Trojans. Think about it. Did any two programs in the country have more dramatic off-seasons than what Miami did and what USC did? So many familiarities and similarities between the programs, you know, teams that uh, former powerhouses, private schools located in big metropolitan areas, don't have on-campus stadiums, have won multiple national titles, uh, they've both been down for a bit, but I believe Miami and USC are a couple of sleeping giants, guys. So the Trojans go out, they get Lincoln Riley, which was an absolute coup. Caleb Williams comes in to play quarterback as a transfer. Jordan Addison goes in there to play wide receiver. And you look at what Miami's doing with Mario. Now, I know, guys, in a vacuum, the Cristobal hire doesn't look as big on paper, at least not quite as big as the Lincoln Riley hire at USC because Lincoln Riley, you know, has been in multiple college football playoffs in Oklahoma. Uh, not that Oregon hasn't been in the spotlight, but Oklahoma has really been in the spotlight in recent years, especially the work that Lincoln Riley does with quarterbacks. So that was the bigger headline maker, Lincoln Riley. But in terms of Cristobal, we all know what a perfect fit he is for Miami because he played at the U, he coached at the U as an assistant previously, and he recruits the heck out of that area and kind of in a related story when you talk about teams that aren't scaring anybody anymore teams that aren't scary anymore 
I don't take any insult to it, by the way, guys. As a Miami fan, as someone who attended the university, uh, and I've cheered for the Miami Hurricanes since before I could even remember cheering for the Miami Hurricanes, I take no offense to someone saying that Miami's not scary anymore because where's the lie? There's no lie there. Miami's been mediocre or worse than mediocre or slightly better than mediocre for really the past 18, 19 years. So to say Miami's not scaring anybody anymore, I take no offense to that whatsoever. Another report that came out this week, courtesy of Bleacher Report, has named Miami as one of seven big name programs trying to make a comeback. They say from the 1980s into the early 2000s, the Miami Hurricanes won more national championships than any other challenger. Correct. I lived through, except for the 83 title. I hadn't been born quite yet, but I lived through four of those. They were real and they were spectacular. And then they say, and then they stumbled into mediocrity. Miami joined the ACC in 04 and has mustered a single 10-win season as a member of the conference. Most glaringly, the U has never won a league crown, even appearing in the ACC championship game just once, and that was 2017. Now that the university has made serious financial commitment to the program, there is legitimate optimism for improvement in new head coach Mario Cristobal's tenure. But it's not like Miami would be the first school to heavily invest in football and not have it pay dividends. But listen, for the most part, I thought that they they hit the nail on the head with what they wrote. I mean, the one thing that they left out was not only has Mario Cristobal arrived, but you know, you talk about Josh Gaddis as your offensive coordinator. Charlie Strong is your linebackers coach. Kevin Steele is your defensive coordinator. Give Jason Taylor on the staff. Alonzo Highsmith, the GM of football operations now. Roland Smith, I doubt the people outside the market know a whole lot about Roland Smith, but what he's going to do as the head, uh, the director of high school relations, um, you know, Miami is doing whatever Mario Cristobal is asking of them to turn the football program into a juggernaut again. So, yeah, Miami is going to be on the rise really soon. The other six programs that they name as big programs trying to make a comeback, FSU, Nebraska. You notice a lot of the same teams that were on the not scaring anybody anymore list are on this list as well. Go figure. Uh, Florida State, Nebraska. They put Notre Dame on the list, which, I mean – Kind of, they, they just lost Brian Kelly, but it's, it's kind of odd to have Notre Dame on the list considering they were just in the college football playoff and they've been in the college football playoff twice. It's only been around for like the last seven or eight years, uh, but they also put in Texas. Bingo, Texas hasn't scared anyone <laughs> in a number of years now. Tennessee and USC. And again, guys, I think out of that group, Miami and USC are the ones I believe, are going to rise the quickest. And you know what? College football needs it. I think it's true in the case of both of those programs. Obviously, I'm a little bit more biased towards the University of Miami. Uh, and listen, even if you're not, even if you're not all in with the U like I am and so, my list, so many of my listeners are, if you've ever seen a Billy Corbin documentary, if you've watched the U, you watch the U part two, you probably have a decent understanding as to the way that Miami revolutionized and really challenged the conventions of college football. Like you think about how many taunting rules and 15 yard penalties were implemented basically just to stop people like Randall Thrill Hill from celebrating the swagger. Miami changed the face of college football. I believe college football is better when Miami is good. And I believe college football, to be fair, is also better 
when the USC Trojans are good. And I did put out a listener poll this week uh, as to uh, whether you guys think Miami or USC is going to rise up more quickly. And, you know, my audience is probably a little bit biased. 63% of you said uh, Miami is going to rise up more quickly than the USC Trojans. I think the Trojans may have just the very slight edge there. Uh, but you know what, guy? And obviously, completely different conferences, right? I mean, Pac-12, ACC, no intersecting opponents this coming season. You know, I, I think that the recruits and the players that Mario Cristobal left over there in Oregon might have something to say about USC rising to the top more quickly. So maybe it will be Miami. Maybe it will be Miami. But uh, I just think there's something about, like, the the Lincoln-Riley factor and Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams. I just think that they're going to really hit the ground running. But don't be surprised if Miami gets there pretty quickly. And as we always say, never sleep on the U. You know, for those uh, watching us on video, you can see – I am uh, I am broadcasting from parts unknown. I am in a remote location on vacation with my family. So if like the lighting's a little bit wonky and if the microphone sounds a little bit wonky, uh, try to forgive me. We're still bringing you guys content, my friends and guys on the other side. Miami gets a commitment from a junior college transfer who I believe can really help the wide receiver core. You know, one of our listeners asked me within the last couple of weeks, Dono, how come I don't see, uh, you know, the U really work in the JUCO transfer so much anymore? Like we're talking about transfer portal from other Power Five programs. Where are the JUCO players? Miami just got a JUCO player this weekend, my friends. We have a new wide receiver uh, who we're going to talk about on the other side. His name is Colby Young, and I'll tell you why I think he can help this receiver core immediately. You know who can help you immediately? BetOnline.net. Why? Because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL, finals, and Major League Baseball scores. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Guys, I'm on BetOnline every single day, and there's a lot of good college football futures on there. You like Tyler Van Dyke for the Heisman? You like Miami to win the ACC? You can find odds on all of that at BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your pods and also available free on YouTube. So, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had honestly thought Miami might have been done in the portal. Well, I guess this isn't technically the portal, but it's still a transfer. I thought Miami might have been done bringing in transfers. I was wrong, and I'm glad I'm wrong. Miami gets a commitment on Sunday from junior college wide receiver Colby Young. He's from Lackawanna Community College. He's got three years of eligibility left, which I love. He's going to have plenty of time to grow with the program and grow with the coaching that he's going to be getting at Miami. Um, he had nine touchdown receptions last year. Now, I know it was Juco, but even at that level, nine touchdown receptions, I think that's the reason why he was getting recruited heavily by some big programs out there. Uh, and I absolutely think that Miami can find a role 
for Colby Young. And my reasoning for that is very simple. He's very tall. Six foot four. He's now the tallest receiver on Miami's roster. Frank Ladson is now the second tallest at six foot three. And you notice Miami's getting their receiver size from transfers. Frank Ladson, transfer portal from Clemson. Now Colby Young, transfer from Juco. Um, the receiver unit, as we know, and this is why I'm pretty bullish on Colby Young's future. He could be a little bit of a work in progress early on, but very well coached that receiver core. Offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis is also the receiver's coach. So with Colby Young, if you can get this guy on the field a decent amount this year in the red zone, he's going to be a major threat to grab touchdowns at six foot four, a lot like Miami's tight ends. You know, Will Mallory and Jaleel Skinner are both six foot five. Elijah Arroyo is six four. Now you've got a six four wide receiver to put on the field in the red zone. Like you get a couple of those tight ends on the field and Colby Young on the field on the same red zone down. And it's like you better have some really tall linebackers and defensive backs on the other team in order to stop these guys from getting into the end zone. As far as other schools that were after Colby Young, it's a pretty good list. So Miami beat out some, you know, it was a nice competition for this guy. Yeah, I'd heard uh, specifically from Tennessee, they offered Young, but they wanted him to play tight end, not receiver. So I think the chance for him to play receiver, which is his preferred position, uh, his natural position is, you know, one of the reasons why he wanted to come down to Miami. Um, and, and this was very quick, by the way, because I think he was given his academic eligibility to transfer just on June 3rd, and he made his decision, I believe, on the 19th. So it was like a whirlwind of offers and and visits for him. The only other official visit that he made in addition to Miami was to Pittsburgh. So I guess it came down to an ACC thing for him. But he also was offered, uh, in addition to Miami and Pitt, um, he was offered by a handful of other Power 5 programs, Florida State, Penn State, Virginia Tech, Miami, Tennessee, Pitt. So I guess six total, six Power 5 uh, programs did offer Colby Young. Um, here's a quote from Colby as relayed by a friend of the show, Gabby Urudia from Inside the U. Quote, the offense is so relatable to Lackawanna. That was his community college. So he feels that this is going to be a, a pretty natural transition for him. He says, so it's something I can get down with the playbook and all that. He said, the offensive coordinator being the receivers coach, as we talked about, is honestly a big deal, too. Those are just a couple of the main reasons. Mario Cristobal is a great guy. He said it felt like family. Uh, now, as far as Colby Young's, uh, you know, the information out there about him, there's not a whole lot in terms of recruiting rankings or stars, you know, because he was pretty low key coming up from upstate New York. But you see the programs that offered him. OK, and we also know a lot about what Miami's coaching staff is doing with recruiting and transfers. I am very confident that this staff would not have offered this guy if they didn't think he could help. They're not out there just giving away scholarships for the sake of it. Now, we do know wide receiver. It's not a thin group. Like, there's a lot of players there. There's a lot of bodies. There's a lot of guys who have promise to, to bring it up in the next level. I mean, you know, we talk about the Xavier Restrepo's, the Keyshawn Smiths. 
you know, the uh, the Jacoby Georges. And, you know, I mentioned Frank Ladson being another transfer who's also a nice big target in the red zone. Isaiah Horton is a true freshman coming in in the class of 2022. Brashard Smith is there. He's uh, probably going to be your number two slot receiver. And he's a utility guy, can run the football a little bit as well. So there's a lot of promise there at wide receiver. It's just there's not a whole lot of proven talent at the receiver position. And I think that's why, you know, Miami was eager to get a little bit more there. And remember, they did miss out on a couple of really big fish in the transfer portal who I know that they wanted. I mean, talked about Jordan Addison. You know, Miami was kind of in the mix for him. He winds up at USC. Uh, Jalen Robinson uh, ended up, uh, you know, not choosing Miami, the the transfer out of uh, out of UCF. So you missed out on a couple of these guys, but you know, not to say that that Young is going to be in the league of these players that I mentioned, but Miami wanted more at wide receiver, and they did end up getting a transfer here with three years of eligibility left to a number of other major programs wanted. So I am totally good with that, my friends. A bit of recruiting news for this past weekend. I wanted to follow up on this player because we talked about him quite a bit on Saturday's episode when he was down making his official visit to Miami. Four-star edge rusher out of Tacoma, Washington, Jaden Wayne, by all accounts, had an awesome visit. Uh, kudos to our friend Luke Cheney, who joined us on Saturday's episode, who gave me, you know, a, spit out a couple of facts about uh, about Jaden Wayne that I wasn't even aware of. So Jaden Wayne, he was actually, uh, as you could imagine, being a Tacoma, Washington guy, was being recruited by Mario Cristobal when he was at Oregon, but... Mario Cristobal started recruiting this guy when he was in eighth grade, which is that happens every now and then. Like Nick Saban will sometimes find eighth graders and identify talent. But anytime you've got coaches who identify talent that early, that's usually a sign of coaches being really, really good recruiters. So, you know, Jaden Wayne, class of 2023 edge rusher, four star, makes his official visit to Miami over the weekend. And words right out of his mouth were, I loved it, he said. It was fun. My family loved it, and I loved it. Uh, Thomas Davis was hosting him. Says uh, one of uh, Wayne said one of his favorite activities was going jet skiing. Right? I mean, you know, Tacoma, you're nearby water there, but like the water up there's got to be really freezing cold. Jet skiing, I think, in South Florida, a lot better than the jet skiing in like Seattle, Tacoma. So that's probably not a bad way to go. Um, and this, by the way, according to Kane Sport. So huge shout out to Gary Furman, Matt Shodell for sharing some of this awesome info right from Jaden Wayne's mouth. Uh, he says he got a great sense of what the program is all about and that he spent a lot of time with Mario Cristobal, uh, defensive line coach Joe Salavea, who I freaking love. I mean, that guy, you talk about constant enthusiasm. He's one of my favorite coaches on the staff. Uh, Rod uh, Wright uh, gave him attention. And he also, he FaceTimed with Jason Taylor, which is nice. I mean, what, JT, you couldn't be there in person? That Actually, there might be rules that kept him from being there in person. But I'm glad he could FaceTime with Jason Taylor. Uh, here's another quote from Jaden Wayne. They really love my family, he said. They want to develop me to be the best. They want to come contribute right away, and they care about me more than just football. He says, I really like the coaches. Um, so he said, uh, yes, most definitely this official visit kind of helped maybe sway him a little bit towards Miami. Uh, he says, I love the vibe of all the coaches. He said, me, Coach Mario Cristobal, and Coach Joe Salave have great relationships from way back. They all want to win a national title. So, 
again, Jaden Wayne is another one of these. Miami's not uh, considered to be the favorite, but I think some of these four and five stars who are not considered to have Miami as their favorite, I think they're going to surprise some people because this staff, I think, is making positive headway with a lot of these guys. So when we come back, I want to do a little Q&A because we got some incredible questions from you guys on Twitter uh, on recruiting, specifically on the quarterback position. I like one of these questions a lot. And a couple of interesting notes uh, on the stadium to follow up with what we talked about on Saturday as to whether or not Miami actually needs their own football stadium or if staying at Hard Rock is actually the better way to go. We're going to touch on that. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So we got a question from 904 Hurricane, who actually, he sent us a couple questions for q and I think I'm going to save his other question for later on in the week. He says, um, does Miami have a fourth option or a backup plan for 2023 quarterbacks just in case Jaden Rashada, Dante Moore, and Emory Williams decide to go elsewhere? Um, Lizzie, I, I think just to weigh in on those three before I talk about potential fourth options, okay? It's more likely than not Rashada will not come here. Florida still considered to be his favorite, even though he did push back the announcement right after the Florida official visit, which kind of made Miami fans feel, oh, maybe we do have a chance. Uh, I'm not holding my breath on that one, okay? Dante Moore, I think Miami's trending upwards with Dante Moore. He's taking his time, so it might be a while yet. He may be a December commit, maybe even a February commit, probably December, but he's taken months more with this. He's not going to be a guy who's committing this summer, so maybe. Um, I do feel pretty confident, though, that Emory Williams could be Miami's if they want him to be. That, you know, I think he's kind of waiting to see what Rashada wants to do first. I think Miami's waiting to see what Rashada wants to do first. But I'm pretty confident Miami's going to end up landing one of those three. Emory Williams is probably more likely. And listen, I know that he's not as highly rated as Rashada, not as highly rated as Dante Moore. I think part of the reason for that is he was discovered by recruiting analysts a little bit later in his career. And he's kind of in the ascending stage right now because, let's face it, he lives sort of in the middle of nowhere in the Florida panhandle. So he was discovered later, okay? I think he's going to continue to rise up through the ranks. As far as other quarterback options, it's I, there's not a whole lot there. Now, M Miami has offered 14 quarterbacks for next year's class. Many of these are either definitely not coming here or they've already committed to other programs. Like Miami has offered Arch Manning. He's not coming to Miami, all right? Miami has offered, you know, uh, people like Malachi Nelson, who's already committed to USC, Nicholas Iamaleva, who's already committed to Tennessee, uh, a couple that have committed already to Clemson and Alabama. Um, so as far as other quarterbacks that they've offered who are still undecided, uh, they offered four-star Dylan Lonergan, who is considered cool interest in Miami, and Reese Mooney from Louisiana, who's considered cool on Miami. He's a three-star and another three-star in Colin Houck from Georgia. He's considered cool on Miami. So honestly, 
Um, you know, some of these players Miami is offered that are not really in the picture right now. Maybe that would change if Miami warms up more to them if they miss out on Williams and Rashada and more. But at this point, I don't think there's a whole lot else in the pipeline beyond those three guys. Uh, now, we received a different question. And forgive me because I don't remember the screen name of this person to shout it out. It was in a recent uh, YouTube live chat, and I, I forgot to jot down the name, but I remember the question. So someone, in, uh, they asked me um, on Friday during Friday's episode, if Miami even really needs to pick up a quarterback in the class of 2023, since they have youth in the quarterback room already. I mean, Jakari Brown, true freshman coming in. And to that, I say, Yes, I do think you need a quarterback in the class of 2023 because the big boy programs, they get a quarterback in every class. That's just the way it works, especially 2022 when you get so much turnover in the transfer portal and sometimes you bring in a highly touted quarterback and it just doesn't pan out. So you want to have as many options as possible. You want to grab a quarterback in every single recruiting class and listen. If you have a lot of quarterbacks in your quarterback room, a lot of three, four, five-star guys, and some of them decide to transfer out, you know why they're doing that? The people who transfer away usually do it because they're not as good as the other guys in the quarterback room. So you want to create that sort of competition. That competition, that's what iron sharpens iron, my friends. So yeah, I think you definitely need to land a quarterback in the 2023 class, and it's got to be, you know, obviously at least a three-star guy, right? Don't waste my time with any two-stars. Um, last thing I want to leave you guys with several people commented on our Saturday episode, you know, about whether Miami needs their own stadium. And a few of you noted that, you know, since Steven Ross, the Dolphins owner, very deep pockets, very aggressive with the way he spends money on facilities, you know, he owns Hard Rock Stadium. You can count on Steven Ross keeping that facility top-notch without the University of Miami needing to foot the bill for renovations, you know, like they would for their own stadium. You know, many of you also noted, very fair, that the location of Hard Rock Stadium, it's kind of perfect for the community. It is. I mean, centrally located, you know, North Dade, right on the Broward border. So it's easily accessible for Dade County, Broward County, even Palm Beach County, you know, right off a bunch of major highways. Um, so he, here's the thing. And I thought when we had Luke Cheney on, he made some good points about the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily you don't need to build a stadium for the student body. Right. Because the student body at Miami, it's already very small. A lot of international students like I had friends at the U from Saudi Arabia, China, right, that didn't care about going to football games. Right. So, you don't you don't really have to do it for the student body. OK, but my thing is. Here's what you have to consider when you talk about potentially building what would be a very expensive nearby campus stadium just for Miami football to give them their own stadium. Um, not to say you don't make the decision for your fans because fans are obviously important. They're buying these very expensive tickets. They're putting money in your pockets. But I, I think the major factors that the University of Miami and their donors, people like John Ruiz, who wants to you know help spearhead the finances for this, you have to consider factors like if we build our own thing where all the revenue comes to us rather than us having to pay rent to the Dolphins 
And, you know, most, uh, well, not most of, but a lot of the revenue we generate on game days at Hard Rock Stadium is going to the Dolphins ownership, not to us. Um, Is this going to be financially beneficial for us in the long run, even though it's going to cost a lot to build a stadium? Like, I don't know, maybe close to a billion dollars. It depends on how big they want to build it. We know the land is not cheap in South Florida, so it's going to cost us a ton of money to build it. But if we get a bigger percentage of that revenue, does that become financially better for us in the long run? That's number one. And then number two is how beneficial would having our own stadium be for recruiting, right? Hard Rock Stadium, it's a world-class NFL facility. It's also not close to campus, big-time drive. So do we feel like it's going to give us an even bigger edge in recruiting if we've got something just a few miles away from campus that's really ours and we don't share it with an NFL team? If they don't feel like they get a whole lot of benefit from either of those things, you probably don't do it. You probably don't. Um, If they get just a minimal benefit, maybe it's not worth it. If you feel like you get a gigantic benefit in both of those areas, that's why you have to consider it, okay? That's why you have to consider that. So these are just things to think about, guys, in terms of the advantages to maybe having your own stadium, which would not be cheap. All right. Huge shout out to those who sent us questions. We're probably doing three episodes this week because I am out of town. You, For those watching on YouTube, you could see my kid jumping on the bed outside the room. He's, he's having a great – he loves hotels. So we will talk to you guys again probably on Wednesday for another episode of Locked on Canes. Hey, the first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have been made. Search now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked on NBA Big Board. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. So thank you guys so much. This has been another episode of Locked on Canes here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.